So it's looking like we're set. Okay. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cosplay Bites, the show about cosplays, conventions, and all the other extra nerdy bits and bites. Um, this episode, uh, I was given the awesome opportunity to interview with me here, uh, Andrew Liptak. Did I get that right? Pronunciation? You did. Awesome. Good. Sweet. Smooth salmon from here on out. <laughs> um, yeah, I was reached out by him and his publicist um, about a book that Andrew's been writing and is set to release later this summer in June, um, basically titled um, Cosplay A History. And um, so for starters, um, yeah, I'll just let Andrew, I'll let you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of your relation to cosplay and all that. Sure. So I started costuming um, <clears throat> right after I got out of high school. And this was 2003. Uh, and my origin story, which I, I talk a, a bit about in the book, is um, I, I was a Star Wars fan, fan from the moment I saw it in 1997 with the special editions and oh yeah uh, from that first from that first film i really wanted to be to make a stormtrooper costume it was i don't know it was just they, they looked cool i and just for years i had just thought they were just kind of the neat uh neat looking characters so i tried to sort of figure out how to do it like how to make my own um and I never really kind of got around to it i you know i you know sort of thought about it for shop class when I was in high school, like, Oh, maybe I can make this out of metal. It didn't quite work. I wasn't, I don't know why I didn't quite think of it to do, make it out of cardboard other than I, I was, I wanted it to look right. And I didn't really want to do it like uh, a bad version. So, sure. Um, I, I just sort of, it was just sort of one of those things. I just sort of waited until the right opportunity. And that, that opportunity came um, at the end of my high school uh, time in high school. We, I was in band, we were playing star Wars and I, convinced my music teacher to play uh, let us play star wars and uh, various pieces from the from the trilogy and um he agreed nice. and we invited a stormtrooper up to the my high school actually a guy uh, named uh, scott allen uh, who lived in rhode island and he drove all the way up to vermont oh. um showed up in his armor and um yeah that was it uh, after the the performance that you know blew everybody away uh, and after the performance i asked him like you know how do i get my own set of this and um he said well you you can I, I can sell it to you um so i had a job that summer um saved up some money sent it off to him and late, at the end of the summer i got a big box of um armor that i put together and i had my own stormtrooper wow um, so that that's how that's how i sort of started in get, getting into it and um from there i like i'd never been to a convention before i'd never been to like I don't think I even really heard of Comic Con until a little bit later. Um, but I bring I bring the armor out for like uh, you know a couple times in college and then in other uh, like for Halloween or or at the summer camp where I worked and that you know pretty low key stuff. Um, and then 2005, uh, Revenge of the Sith was coming out and I went to Star Wars Celebration in Indianapolis and so it was kind of a cool opportunity. Um, I shipped my armor out there, got a hotel room and uh, hung out at the convention for like four or five, uh, like th four or five days, three or four days, uh, made a ton of friends and, um, you know, was finally like sort of like among other people who had the same interest as, as me. So like tons of other yeah. stormtroopers 
Um, I was I was helping out with I, I volunteered at the con, which is why I was able to go. Um, the five hundred first had like a, a volunteer relationship with the convention, and I was basically uh, the the guy at the end of for all all three days or all four days, whatever it was. Um, I was the guy at the end of the line for all the author signings. So I think Del Rey Random House had a booth, and so you know Timothy's on Matthew Stover, Karen Travis, Michael Stack, uh, no, not Michael Stack, Aaron Allison. Like they all had signings, so I would basically stand at the end of the line and basically say, "All right, th this line is capped, um, or like move along." Um, oh, okay. And so yeah, that was okay. just like a really, <laughs> yeah. So it was it was it was a mind blowing experience. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I met other members of my my fellow Garrison who I hadn't really interacted with before, just because of I, I, there's not very many other troopers in Vermont. And then that experience really stayed with me. So like after I graduated from college, I had time i had disposable income because i had a job and i had a car and so i could throw my armor uh into the back of my car i could drive down to an event and troop for with the rest of the garrison and then come back and then, so i did that for a bunch of years um i recruited a friend of mine and uh we so we, that would start going down together um went to more conventions and then as it sort of happens when you start to get more active with you know cosplay you start to think oh i can make this costume or i can make that costume so yeah. the next one I built was a Attack of the Clones clone trooper. Um, okay. I, I want to say that it was sort of because the Clone Wars TV series was coming out, but I, I always liked the look and feel of that armor. So um, I mm. just ended up putting it together in my apartment um, and then made another one. And then, um, you know, went to other conventions. I made other, other non-Star Wars costumes. Uh, so I made like a Sam Bell costume from Moon. Uh, the the Duncan Jones film and okay. um, a couple of other random ones over the years, and then just um, yeah, just sort of kept at it. While this was happening, um, I worked at I worked at a university as an administrator, and also had sort of begun to make the steps into um, writing as a freelance writer and journalist. So I started writing for a website called IO9, which is part of now part of Gizmodo. Okay, um, yeah, and I started to sort of just write about cosplay stuff over the years um when i when i sort of made the full-time leap into full-time freelance writing for them in 2005 i i found it was a really good opportunity just to start writing about like you know conventions that came out or, or that had just happened or you know cosplay music videos and then um i ended up yeah, working yeah. for a website called the verge wrote a little bit more about cosplay and then um had a couple of co-workers there that really got me thinking about how do i how do you how do you really think about entertainment and um you know how how people are fans and what does it mean to be a fan um and i a little bit before that i had been contacted by an editor to um who had been to san diego comic-con a, a guy named joe monte he's the the editor at saga saga press which is my publisher and he had seen the 501st and wanted to know if there was like sort of within the science fiction community i i was sort of people sort of knew that I was a stormtrooper. So he, he sort of reached out to me and asked like, you know, is there a story about like where the 501st came from that might be worth pursuing? And, you know, yeah, there was. And we basically put together, I put together a pitch with a, with an outline, a, a fairly detailed outline. And, um, you know, they, they were interested. Um, it took a little while for that to sort of get going. And, um, the actual like straight up five history of the 501st didn't really go anywhere. But when I got an agent, um, uh, I basically retooled the project to focus on the, the entire history of cosplay, not just the 501st. Okay. And I did that because it was, um, 
while while researching and putting together the the history of the final first, I realized that you needed to have a lot more context for what the world was like. Like like the final first didn't come out of a vacuum. Um, there's an entire story about cosplay that stretches out hundreds of years before Star Wars come, came out, and within that story is all these other bits and pieces about like the history of technology. How did like how do we come about? How, how do we come to start dressing up in costume in the first place? And, right. um, you know, we, we sold it to them and basically that's, that's what cosplay history is. It's, it's this, um, really sort of all encompassing story of, of how do we come to costume? How did, how did this, the field of cosplay come about? What does it mean within the larger fan community? Um, what does it mean for these, the relationship that we as fans have with, uh, films and entertainment franchises and, um, how did technology change along the way? Um, and how did like these groups like the 501st come about? So it's it's a really um, it's a far ranging book, and it, I think I like I, I think it covers just about everything. It's not I, I wouldn't say it's comprehensive history, but um, I think we got a lot of the high points and and um, um, basically everything from the you know the rise of the 501st to uh, science fiction conventions from the 1930s to 3D printing to um, everything yeah. a whole bunch of other other things. So. Yeah, it was a fun thing to write, and that's that's the the sort of the long story of how that came about. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You you like answered like a couple of my questions in one fell swoop. So that's, that's <laughs> good. That's good. That's good, but it's bad. Like crap. What do I talk about now? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you've done your. I mean, it sounds like you've put in a lot of research into this, and it just. Sounds like it's it's just a more like encompassing look about cosplay as a hobby from like it start all the way up to now with mm -hmm. I imagine like all the bits and pieces of how it's evolved from what it used to be to like how it's become almost I get almost like mainstream with the evolution of social media and all that. Um Yep. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things that I, I wanted to focus on, and and this is specifically because I had worked with, I, I worked as a technology reporter, and um, I, I have a, a good friend of mine is was an editor there. We were edit, we were working there at the same time, uh, Brian Bishop, um, and he, while I was working there, he was very much into immersive entertainment, and this was a an interesting concept to me, like just the idea of like he was talking about like immersive theater where you would you as an audience member would, would go to a production and you would be part of the show um, mm. as, as an audience member. You'd be, you'd be a bystander, but you'd also be part of, you'd be sort of directing, like you'd be pushing the story in certain directions or you'd otherwise be part of the story itself, which I, I thought was pretty fascinating. And because I, I, I had, you know, I've, I've been a cosplayer. Like I've, I, I, you're sort of in that moment when you, when you put on a costume and so there are some elements yeah. of that that I really kind of thought were interesting. And he really sort of influenced how I thought about that. And along with that, like there's, um, you know, we, we were, you know, always writing about things like um, Instagram or Facebook and like what power these platforms have. So one of the things that I sort of talk about in the, in the book is there, uh, you know, the most powerful technology that has come about that has helped the hobby as a whole is, is not like something like 3d printing or, um, you know, uh, Pepecura or, or laser cutting it's, it's social media because what, yeah. it, what social media does yeah. is it, 
it, it's it's been at the heart of why we cosplay in the first place is is to form a community. Um, the original the fans who um, showed up at, at a world uh, the first Worldcon in 1939 were, you know, they were all coming together because they all loved science fiction. And um, mm-hmm. the, one of one of the, the first cosplayers is a guy named Forrest Ackerman. Um, and he, he his way of expressing fandom was dressing up as one of the characters, and it, it, that really caught on in the years that followed. Um, but as you as you trace the history of cosplay and go from point to point, you you realize that that's basically what people are looking for. They're looking to find their fellow fellow members of their tribe, even though they might be spread out all over the country. They might come together to share in this moment with um, uh, um, every year, even you know for just a couple days out of the year to see their friends that they've only corresponded with or, or, or written letters to, um, or maybe seen rarely. And then as you go further on, you get, when the internet comes about, you have the first internet forums and then you have websites like anime.com or the, uh, the um, replica props forum or live Mm -hmm. journal. Um, And you see these communities sort of form because people are, are seeking one another out and social media has only really encouraged that there's downsides to it, obviously. Um, for a myriad of reasons, but like um, Instagram is perfect for cosplayers because it's a, such a visual medium. Same thing with with TikTok these days. And it, I, I know while I was writing the book, I was I was certainly finding cosplayers because of the the recommendations that the app would would give me, but also yeah. because like I'd meet I'd meet somebody and talk to them, and then I'd find somebody else that they would they recommend they, they would um, you know point me to, or I'd see them in the comments or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, I think, the underlying um, theme of the book is is that this is really a, it's not, it, it, this is not a how-to book. It, it's it's more a like a, a story of how we form communities and how we sort of share in this passion together. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 funny how like you were going through your origin story and then talking about like this like how cosplay has evolved to a point where it is now like. The sort of like finding your own communities, finding your own camaraderie with friends, like that's essentially what cosplay gave me when I started mm-hmm. back in 2012. Um, my long story short, whole spiel was um, this was when when Jessica Negri was starting to get popular with the lollipop chainsaw cosplay yep. that she did when she became a spokesmodel, and I uh, she was the first cosplayer I met because I mean. You know, it, it, it's like the initial, like, holy smoke, I have a huge crush on her, yada, yada, yada. When she blew up with her Pikachu outfit, and then mm-hmm. she won the Lollipop Chainsaw cosplay contest, which uh, allowed her to go on tour, so to speak. And so yep. one of the spots was PAX East 2012, and that was the first con I went. I solely went just to meet her, and then we kind of grew and formed, like, a special little almost like a brother-sister kind of relationship through through going to cons over the years. Like, I got my dad into it when he was still around, and seeing my dad mm-hmm. cosplay was pretty rad. Um, his whole thing was that he got really into the whole steampunk aspect uh, yep. to a point where he dressed up and made his own steampunk Riddler outfit, and I matched with him as Nightwing. So that was a lot of fun. And Oh, awesome. All these stories that you you mentioned about how like you started writing about like going to cons like because that's that's legitimately how I got my own start. Um, so like this this whole podcast spun out of 
um, a blog that I used to run by myself um, mm -hmm. called the Lightning Palace on Blogspot, um, where I would essentially I would go through, find a bunch of these cosplayers, find a bunch of these cosplay that I really liked. I would pick one, try to gather photos of either photo shoots or maybe even some work in progress photos, and I would just talk about how much I liked the cosplay, how how it was possibly made, like mentioning what materials they used, um, how the photo shoots were done, like how the scenery looked and how it matches the character that they cosplayed as, um, and that spun into me writing uh, convention reports of my times at cons like PAX East, uh, Katsukan, New York Comic Con, and then a bunch of other miscellaneous stuff like uh, video game reviews and all that. But this show kind of spun out of it because I just, you know, because I kind of, I kind of been doing it. I did it for seven years. Um, I, I kind of stopped um, when the pandemic started because, you know, cons were shutting down. Pandemic. <laughs> the world was shutting down. No one was really doing their cot was making cosplay and like going to photo shoots, and so like I was having a really hard time like finding new outfits to like fangirl over and like write about. So it's mm -hmm. just like I've kind of just maybe it'd be best to just put it to bed for now. And then so this show was just basically me wanting to do something more to the cosplay community, which had already given me like a bunch of friends, essentially like a second family, and like just a way for me to like truly be myself and express my love for like all the video games I played, all the comic books that I've read. Um, and it gotten to a point where I've been um, lucky enough to like get media passes under my own show to like go to these conventions. So I pretty much have stayed within the new England area, like Katsukon, uh, is the farthest I've ever traveled for a con. Um, so, yeah, I mean, cosplay is just a really wonderful and also insane hobby, just looking at some of the stuff that people have created over the years, like, as technology and, like, their the wealth of information has gotten just larger and... I'm just sitting here drooling all over for like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. There's one of the, the, there's a couple of things that I, I learned that were really interesting to me that um, when it, when it comes to like how like we learn as a sort of a collectively as a community, uh, one of, one of them is, is that um, if you want to make anything, you can basically go to a site like YouTube and find somebody who has shot a tutorial of it. Um, whether that, you know, especially when it comes to things like, um, you know, making foam armor or vacuum forming or figuring mm. out how to weather something like that. One, the, the Internet has been like a force multiplier for for gathering up information and distributing it to a, to a community. Um, there There's some instances and, and I, I've come across people who, who can be very protective of the types of stuff that they do because they don't they want it's sort of their little corner of the cosplay world and they they don't want anybody else to sit there. But like, like the genie's sort of out of the bottle when it comes to like sharing techniques and um, uh, like shared practices and, and whatnot. But um, mm. so that's that's one of the one of the big things. And um uh, the same thing. The same thing. You can say the same thing for like forum posts and um, 
for like build threads. And it, those are sort of things that are harder to do on, on platforms like Instagram or Twitter. You could do like a tutorial on Instagram, but it's, it doesn't feel like it's one of those things that you can really uh, access as, as readily as, 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 it, as opposed to something like a, a comprehensive build thread on a 501st forum. Like say, if you're making stormtrooper armor, you, you have sites like the first Imperial stormtrooper division or, or any of our other uh, detachment forums where you have access, you know, you, you have this deep dive information onto any of these, of these costume types. Like if you want to learn anything about a stormtrooper, you go to, to the, the FSID or you go to clone troopers.net or uh, pathfinders or wherever. Um, or like if, if for non-Star Wars stuff, uh, you go to like the replica props farm and, and somebody has, you know, you find somebody who has documented their build for, I don't know, just, you know, take your pick of costumes. Um, so that like those resources really persist over time and it makes it really easy for people to, um, to sort of like say, you know, say, Oh, I really want to make this costume. How do I do this? And then they can go follow in those foot, those footsteps, or they can gain the skills to do it themselves by going to, you know, by going to these forums and like, all right, I, I want to make this costume. It's not, nobody's quite done it before, but if I make it out of foam, I can do this. Or if I make it out of, out of plastic, I can do this or that. And, mm. you know, they can put together something really cool. And it, it, and it's um, that, that I think helps strengthen the community. The other thing that I, I sort of the other random tidbit that I, I came across that, I, that really fascinated me was just how the, um, like underlying technology changes in the entertainment world also have an impact. So the best example I have is um, everybody likes Boba Fett um, or most people like Boba Fett. If you're a Boba Fett fan, you've, you've scrutinized <laughs> the films and tried to find the, you know, if you've ever wanted to make a costume, you, you, you can go to the, the original films and sort of look at, look at them and figure out, you know, this is what the colors look like, or you can look at still, still photographs. Mm. Um, there's a guy I spoke with, uh, David Ray, who sadly passed away at, uh, a couple of months after I spoke with him. He, he had cancer, and um, uh, uh. I was very fortunate to have, to have spoken with him, but he, he gave me some pictures of himself, uh, that, these costumes he made in the 1970s and 1980s. Um, he made Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and a, a Boba Fett, um, all like cardboard and, and just stuff he found around his house. And this was before, you know, he had internet reference pictures. So he went to the he went to the original star Wars films, you know, dozens of times, you know, he took a notebook with him and it would sort of sketch out stuff and, and like look for little details that he might've noticed. He might've forgotten about in the, um, the earlier screenings. And then he, he made some really great looking costumes. Like, like his Boba Fett looked, looked like a lot, like looked really great. His Stormtrooper looked really great. And he did the theater. Um, you know, they're not like 100% screen accurate, but they, you know, for the time, like they're, they're pretty incredible. Yeah, um, and it attracted enough attention that like local his local theaters like hired him to like put the costumes on and parade around um, when they re-released the films. Um, yeah. You know, fast forward a couple fast forward a couple years, you you don't have to just go to the film in the theater or or look for like a magazine like Starlog to get those reference pictures. Um, that's where these forums come in. Is is you could ha then you know people can take yeah. pictures of of the stuff, uh, especially once you get VHS, you know. The, like home video technology was a huge thing because you can now take the film home with you. Um, DVDs, you know, presented a very clear image and that you could pause it exactly on the right frame without the scan lines. And so that was a huge game changer. 
Um, but what really sort of blew my mind is was when I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Bob Govier, who who is a, a he's a locally he was our our, our commanding officer in the five hundred first New England mm-hmm. garrison, and he was he he's made an incredible Boba Fett. He did Darth Vader and a bunch of other costumes, and he was telling me that you know a game changing technology was the Blu Ray and high definition um, technologies because what you, what it did is it allowed them to sort of really aim focus in on with more on costume parts that they had never seen before because the, the resolution just wasn't there. So like right. when the Blu-rays for star Wars came out, they, the people in these, these forums like honed in on Boba Fett and they were able to find like, Oh, it's this type of calculate, like not just like this is a calculator on his arm, but it's this brand of calculator. They were able to sort of figure it out by the shape. <laughs> of eyes. They were looking, yeah. at, they were able to look at, I want to say it's his knee darts, which are some very obscure little pieces from a dental, uh, like a, some dental um, equipment. Um, <laughs> you know, that level of detail is, is really kind of impressive. And, um, you know, when you have these groups, you can, you can take the time to sort of focus on that. But it's, it's interesting that, that, you know, there's always, you you know, we're still learning things from these really old costumes that were used decades ago. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's these groups that really help keep these characters alive and uh, alive and well. Like, I, I firmly believe that we wouldn't have a Boba Fett TV series now if, you know, Boba Fett was not, you know, as as big a fan favorite character as he was or the like Mandalorian favorite as he would. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I have my issues with the show itself, but like the fan community around the character really has let, you know, like Boba Fett was only, he only popped up for a couple of minutes in Empire Strikes Back. If if nobody you know? had like blinked an eye at him, that's the last we would have seen of him. But, you know, people loved him and he came back and then he came back in the comic books and then in novels. Um, he came back to the, the Clone Wars TV series and the prequel, the prequel trilogy. And, and um, now we have the TV show. Um, same thing with like the Mandalorians, like, uh, and, and it helps that, um, like Dave Filoni and, uh, is, is a fan of like, he knows who the Bible first and Mandalorian works are, and he's a fan of, of the work we do. So I, I, I mm. believe very strongly believe that like, you know, we've, you know, fan community has had an impact on the types of things that, and the types of design choices that they make for the TV shows. Um, sure. There was a convention that I wrote about a couple years a couple years ago where he was at Star Wars Celebration. I want to say it was in Orlando, 2017, something like that. And he was say, he was saying that like, yeah, like we the 501st had a huge impact on how we did the Clone Wars because we would we would come up with new designs because we knew that they would go and, and make them. And then you know, fast forward mm-hmm. a couple years later, when they're looking, when they're looking for like, hey, we need like 25 more stormtroopers, they go they go to the 501st. And they, you know, they bring us in. And this isn't just a Star Wars thing. Like you, you see big studios reach out to influencers and, you know, high, high traffic uh, cosplayers who are really good at at making stuff. And, you know, they will, they will either bring them on to um, help promote the film or they will like, um, you know, sponsor stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a guy, this didn't make it into the book, but like there's a guy I had been speaking, I was speaking with who had worked for HBO and he was like, yeah, we use cosplayer stuff all the time for some of our marketing stuff. And it, it's, it's yeah. interesting just to see how much the fan community can sort of become entangled with the entertainment world that it's a fan of. Um, yeah. so that, that to me was pretty cool to see. And to learn. Yeah. About. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like I know, I know several cosplayers that have done 
they've done work with like Marvel and like some of their Marvel video stories might like, be coming some of these iconic characters that are like in with the MCU and then like part of me thinks there was something recent about like hyping up the upcoming the upcoming Lord of the Rings show for Amazon Prime I think some cosplayers were invited to like help make costumes and like help promote like the teaser trailer that aired during the Super Bowl or something like that if my okay. memory's correct yeah, I, I haven't heard of, I haven't heard of anybody really doing anything to help with the film production. I, there are cosplayers who make the jump from cosplay into the professional field. Um, oh yeah, and there there was there were some folks that I there, uh, there was a guy I spoke with who runs a, a studio saying that you know he, he sort of shies away from from cosplayer from hiring cosplayers because the type of work that, he, that goes into a film production is so different from what we make as fans. Um, yeah, because like these these are costumes that really have to stand up to abuse. That you you can't make you can't take six months to make you to make it. You have to like get it done within days or weeks. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like this is a this is a hobby where you can really hone those skills and then make the jump over. Um, as long as you know you 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 sort of have the right approach and the right mindset for it. Um, mm. So that that I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, there there is there's a, a bunch of people I've seen that have have made that jump from, from fan to pro. Um, and like, even, even to the point where some of them are acting in, in the man, like the Mandalorian, there's a guy named Chris Bartlett, who was a new, new England guy. I think um, he became like the Lucasfilm's, the go-to guy, if they needed a C3PO. Oh, so if they were shooting a commercial, if they needed him, like, I think he went and he brought C3PO on stage for the Academy Award. Um, a couple years ago, or a bunch of years ago, things like that, and then he's since um, he, he's since become a, a character actor for like anytime they need somebody to go into a droid costume or a, a, a random alien, like he's one of the guys that will do that, which is pretty cool. So yeah. I, I think we'll see more of that as time goes on, um, because and I, I think for there's sure. probably some advantages there, like you know, cosplayers sort of understand like how costumes work or you know what the you know. Yeah, there, there is a certain amount of acting um, to what we do. Um, I'll say there, there's mm -hmm. another another really good high profile example is a guy. I, can't, um, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie Kim's Convenience or sorry, the TV series Kim's Convenience. I don't think I have. Uh, no. It's a it's a Toronto sitcom. It's about a it's about an Asian uh, a Korean Amer a Korean Canadian uh, family um, who emigrate to Canada and open a, open a um, the, the father and mother run a a small convenience store. Oh, I, I, I've heard of it. Um, that's that's where uh, Sim yep. Liu got his start. Yes, um, but the other guy who yeah, he that's where he got to start. But the other guy who's there is a Paul Sun uh, Paul Sun Lee, um, who is he plays one of the rebel pilots in the Mandalorian. He's also a member of the Five Hundred First Legion and Rebel and Rebel Legions, and like one of the oh. reasons that he was brought in apparently was because he knew uh, through the Toronto acting community he knew Deborah Chow, and she was like, you know, I know you're a Star Wars fan. Let's let's put you in here, and he actually knew more about the costume than the um, than like the co like he knew like exactly how to put the costume on, and and you know you know didn't need help from the costume designers or, or outfitters, so that was kind of a neat. Um, sort of segue for him. So he's just, he's another really good example of, of how this has, um, 
you know, how, how people percolate from fan to pro. Um, yeah. The other way that this happens is that, you know, people might not be uh, in t- um, who get their start as cosplayers. They might decide that, you know, they start to make stuff on their own. Um, you know, they, they open small shops and it's, it's much more easy to do that these days. Uh, you need a couple 3d printers or if you are a good sculptor, um, some people make, uh, can make a, a Maybe not a living, or in some cases, maybe make a living, but in some cases, make a sort of a side hustle of, of making, you know, specific cosplay parts for people. Um, I know yeah. Yaya Hong made a, uh, um, did really well selling um, cat ears. Um, she, she wrote about that in her book, um, Yaya Hong's World of Cosplay, how that was a, yep. a, a big boost for her and allowed her to sort of become a full time professional. Um, but there's other folks who, like, um, my, fr- my friend Bob, who I mentioned a minute ago, he makes um, twi- um, uh, the, the headdresses for um, Ahsoka Tano. Um, and he's like the, the go-to oh, okay. guy for that. Or there's other folks who make helmets or other armor parts, or they have a, a vacuum former that they're able to, you know, make, you know, churn out pieces of armor for people. So it's interesting just to see, like, you know, what other ways people can get out and sort of uh, get into the, this hobby, uh, you know, or, or start it, start this as a hobby, have it become sort of a profession or a vocation for them. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause I, I was looking for a way to mention how, you know, when we talk about like the history of cosplay, that was something that was highlighted in Yaya's book, how, you know, when I just distinctly remember when I was getting into cosplay and finding her and her work, just going from, because I think she was the go-to person in order for cosplayers to get access to Warbluff when that was starting it, sort of like cosplay boom in terms of like being used for like a bunch of stuff for like armor making. And now it's just readily available through other shops. And like even she has her own line of Warbluff, I believe, next to her fabric line with Joanne. So it's just... It's really uh, EVA how. foam. EVA foam. Sorry. Yeah, she she sells. Yep. Yeah, I actually have a, a couple sheets of that in my basement. I've got a project that I'm meaning to work on, and that I, <laughs> you know, it, it it's like it, it. I mean, that's that's one of the other cool things about this is is that because this has become such a mainstream hobby, um, you know, the materials and expertise are are much easier to get to. When I got my first set of stormtrooper armor back in 2003 i had to, it was one of those things where you had to know where to look and if you didn't know where to look it was very hard to find it like i you know as a as a teenager i spent a long time trying to figure that out and it just never found the right places mm-hmm. um when i finally connected with members of the file first i was like oh you know just send me a check and i'll send you the armor and you know nowadays you can just go up onto a website and you know click a couple buttons enter your credit card number and it'll arrive at your door. Um, mm-hmm. One of the anecdotes I, I, I read about in the book is that a uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse had just come out. And my son really liked, loved the film. And so I went on to Amazon and, uh, you know, I found a Miles Morales suit for him and, you know, it was at my doorstep in just a couple days. And he was like, you know, yeah. bouncing around in, as a Spider-Man, like, <laughs> that type of access and that type of availability was just non-existent yeah. when I was starting this out. And nope. like nowadays you have, you have companies that specifically cater to, to cosplayers um, either through materials like, like the Yaya Han's line of, of EVA foam or, or fabrics. Um, 
you know, being able to like prototype and, and to bring bring to production those very specific fabric types to uh, consumers is like a, a huge game changer it's because insane. now you don't have to. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, like um, there was there's some folks I spoke with um, who are within the Battlestar Galactica fan community and like trying to make the um, the flight suits requires some very specific types of fabric and the the more the more that companies sort of catch on that there is an audience for these types of things the the easier it is for for the for people to get access to them. And so I think that, you know, these are all a whole bunch of reasons why, like, you know, cosplay is starting to become a, a main, you know, maybe if maybe not 100% main, maybe not quite mainstream. If, if it's not mainstream, it's certainly on its way. And yeah. um, it's because of, it's because like the ease of access to parts or costumes or expertise or the ability to make it yourself have all been, you know, those barriers have, have come down significantly. You don't need to go to obscure what, web forums to, to make a Spider-Man costume or to make a, a Stormtrooper. You can just, you know, order one and have it there. Um, and some of that mainstream, you know, with that mainstream um, status, like things like Facebook will like uh, have certainly helped or TV shows like the Big Bang Theory or uh, Castle or Mythic Quests. Like these are all TV shows that have put cosplay front and center. And that also helps to sort of show people like, Maybe maybe you're a fan of Star Wars and you're like, um, oh, you know, I I never really thought it, you know, it never really occurred to me that I could dress up as one of these characters. And then you see it like in a TV show, like where these characters are doing that. Like, oh, I guess I could do that. You know, that looks like fun, right? Um, and so that that's been a that's been a huge thing as well. Um, one of the things I, I point to specifically is, is Facebook, because what it does is it puts all your friends or it puts all the, the contacts in your life into a single bucket. Whether you know you you've got your work you know your work colleagues you've got your friends from your social circles or your your sports friends or your D and D friends, um, your relatives and it it puts them all together. So when you go to a convention and you share your pictures, you're sharing it to everybody, and so everybody in the in your social social circle now it's a, a glimpse of what it looks like. So like, hey, I went to a convention this weekend. You know, I yeah. dressed up as this character and now everybody can see that and then they could you know that is, is another way that this the idea that like hey i can dress up as this character spreads spreads around and expands so um i i think it's um you know with the, the cat's out of the bag and you know like there's i don't think there's a there's no going back and i think it's just going to become a much bigger thing moving forward yeah yeah absolutely i mean talking about all this stuff how stuff readily available as cosplay becomes more mainstream and like how like even like you got movie studios like jumping in to either have cosplayers or prop makers that can go from being a fan to go jump into the professional like and, and like working for these companies or like reaching out to influencers i'm also reminded of how um you even have video game companies certain ones when they have new characters revealed um they just will flat out share links and images with character reference sheets that go from way beyond and like this is what this is what this part of the outfit like the texture like the, the kind of fabric it is and then like all these like color coded like color codes is just absolutely massive so last year um in the lead up to halo infinite 
Um, I, I write for a website called Cosplay Central as sort of a side gig now these days. And uh, it's a, okay, it's a yeah. website put up by uh, Read Top. Um, yep. And one of the things I wrote about last year is, is Microsoft went and released this really extensive guide. And it, there's been this trend over the past couple of years of, uh, especially with video game companies, because the assets are there already, they can, they can provide 360 degree views of the characters. They can give you the exact color schemes. Mm. They can, they can give you the dimensions of, of stuff. Um, so we've seen over the years, like there are these, these handfuls of, um, like cause like specific cosplay guides for characters and um so 343 industries put together this really extensive one it was like 106 is uh, 106 pages and it shows off detail on every single part of the armor um it shows you all of the different types all the different colors that you need um like Ooh. like down to like like the, the paint tone colors um uh, or pantone, pantone color. it's one of those words that i see that i imagine how you pronounce it in my head but like it, it tells you exactly <laughs> like in, in you know extremely exact detail of like how do you how does this look um and yeah. how do you build it and like that's that's another thing that like it's just again it's it's this e this ease of access um really helps people so I, I imagine it was a huge help to people within that that community because now it, it takes the guesswork out of out of this like you know if you want to make yeah. sure it's pretty exact for this characters you don't have to like say like all right is it this is sort of how big this looks, but I don't know for sure. And you have to, you, you might have to try it out, you know, sculpt something and like, Oh, it's not quite the right size or shape. So you waste all that effort. Now you can just, you know, sort of put it together. Um, and so that like, there's been all these other, um, you know, like th these types of cosplay guys, I think that we'll definitely see more of them um, for, for, all sorts of games coming up. And I, I, I haven't seen any recently, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there have been, um, have been other ones in the um, uh, you know coming up with whatever big video games there are. I, I'm sorry, I'm right as I'm, as I'm talking, I'm, I'm I'm googling to see if there's anything for like Elden Ring or something because that's like the, the latest hit game, yeah, anything like that. But um, I'm, I'm sure yeah, there think... there will be others that will will come out soon. I've got a gut. I, I feel like they've already started doing it, um, and I've got a gut feeling that there's going to be more. But for um god of war ragnarok oh my gosh they're gonna i i mm, yep. there's gonna be a slew of character reference sheet everywhere because uh Sam there actually was i remember seeing um yeah i mean yeah they've already started yeah uh there was one i, I want to say i wrote um i wrote about it a couple of, I, when i was doing work on the book i came across it um let me see if they have a date on it i have it bookmarked here um, but yeah, that was, that was another one. It showed a lot of details on like the, the face paint and the, the color types. And, um, yeah, it just gave you a much better idea of, of how to do it. And yeah, if you Google God of War cosplay guide, it, it comes right up. Um, <laughs> I, I, there, you don't really see this a lot for, for Hollywood studios at, at this point. Um, I don't know if that will change or not. Um, just because like, hmm. uh, uh, like, I. Like a like a film is complicated production, um, and the the relationship that fans have to films and to as opposed to fans to video games is a little bit. I, I want to say like video game studios seem like a little bit more receptive of or a little bit. They they seem to maybe pay a little bit more attention to what fans want, 
plus i mean yeah, the assets are there that. with like a yeah. with an in-person film thing you have to actually like you, you'd have to actually make the effort to to actually like photograph and like write it up um as opposed to just sort of taking all those those elements that probably that already exist for a video game but you know it it, it might well, you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see stuff like that um a couple of like really early examples that i've seen um the when the sci-fi channel released a tv show called the expanse back in i want to say 2015 they released um they they released some some things to thingiverse like some free 3d files uh for one for a helmet and the other for um it's a helmet and a couple of other I, a couple of the spaceships i think um yeah i actually have i have one of the spaceships that i printed up but um <laughs> Um, sci-fi. Um, yeah, they, uh, here's what it is. it's the Expanse Collections uh, sci-fi, and you can find it on Thingiverse. And they have, um, you know, you know, there's a helmet there. I don't know if it's exactly like 100% accurate. Like I've seen it printed up, and it looks a little goofy. But it's also like the the picture that they have is is just the the raw printed product. They haven't like weathered it or or actually turned it into a costume part, but. Um, you know, that's, that's one example. And I, I, I hope that studios will do more of it. I hope that they will, you know, because it is an asset to, to yeah. fandom and, you know, as you build fans and you need for fans to do this, you know, they can do all sorts of, um, you know, that, that just sort of helps in the long run. Yeah. Hang on like five. Oh, oh okay. She's laying down. I thought my cat wanted to get out of the room, sure. but no, she. I think she stopped and she's laying down now. So we're good. Uh, <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Um, so circling back, I mean, through going through like your bio and then stuff about like brief description, like initial like thoughts about the book. I mean, you mentioned before that um, you were part of the Five Hundred First Legion. Um, I actually don't think I know, or maybe I do, and it's just been a long time since I've heard. What's the process like in like becoming a member of such a giant like organization like the Five Hundred First? Yeah. So the Five Hundred First it started about twenty five today. This year is our twenty fifth anniversary. Um, nice. Started when a guy named Alvin Johnson um, dressed up as a stormtrooper. Um, he he had a he's sort of a tragic backstory he had been in a he had been driving a motorcycle he got into a really bad accident and his he had his leg amputated under his knee um and he was um you know a bit depressed that a a friend of a friend of him at work wanted to cheer him up he knew he was a big star wars fan so he used that to sort of like take his mind off of things and when the when the uh the special editions were coming out he was like you know hey why don't we try to like dress up as stormtroopers for the films and they went and they looked around forums. They paid a lot of money. They've got a couple stormtrooper suits. And then they started putting them together. And then so um, 25 years ago this month, um, Al- Albin went and he, he dressed up for The Empire Strikes Back. And then a, a month later uh, in April, um, his friend, uh, a guy named Tom Cruise, uh, C-R-E-W-S-E-S, sorry, R C R E W S. Um, not like the, the famous Tom Cruise. Um, they they okay. it up together, and, and Albin realized at the time, like, hey, if we get a bunch of stormtroopers together, this is a really cool thing. Um, and it, it just sort of grew mm-hmm. from there. We have um, over fifteen thousand members now, 
all, all over the world. Um, hundreds of different types of costumes. And so the, over the years, what and, and we have the, our sister group, the Rebel Legion, and we, we sort of have similar remits. Like, we're, we're the bad guys, they're the good guys. We <laughs> put together through... We have a couple of different sub organizations. So local, like geographically, we're broken up into garrisons or squads or outposts. Okay. Um, then it, we're also divided up by costume type. So all the stormtrooper, like we have a we have a, a detachment called the First Imperial Stormtrooper Division, which does everything to do with stormtroopers. Like if you want to know anything, um, they're the ones who are looking at those costumes extremely closely. And they're the ones who make the standards for how we build those costumes and how we sort of present a unified look. So in order to join the group, you need to have a suit that matches our standards and you have to be over 18, no criminal record, that sort of thing. Um, so if you go, if you, if you go and Google like 501st CRL, um, cost, it stands for costume reference library. Well, um, you will come up with a data bank of all of our costumes that that you can be approved with in the in the um, in the 501st. Um, I don't know how many that is off the top of my head, but we have like um, there's there's 29 different sorry 28 different categories. So that's arc trooper, bounty hunter, uh, clone trooper, um, imperial crewman, stormtrooper, Sith lord, republic commando. ATAT driver, scout trooper, clone trooper, as I already said, yeah. trooper, uh, shore trooper, special operations, um, and so forth. And then each one of those like break down into very specific types. So the let me see if I can find it here. Um, so like the clone trooper, you get a designation for for TC, TC whatever your number is, and there are dozens of different types of clones that you see all over the place. Um, Anytime you have it, like, so there's, like, the attack the clones phase one commander and co uh, captain, lieutenant, sergeant, and standard trooper. But then when the Clone Wars comes out, you have all these other ones. So, like, we have specific CRLs for Bo for clone trooper Boyle or Donnell or Hard Case or Kicks Mixer, uh, Rex. Um, and so we, hmm. in, in each one of those CRL pages contains... A list of what you need to have that character approved. So, if so, let me pull like an example. Um, I, I my favorite one is a short trooper from um, Rogue One, and um, the squad. So I, I do a squad leader. So what that requires is you need to have the helmet, and on the the thing uh, on the page it says the helmet is tan without with moderate weathering. There's an orange red circular emblem on the right side of the visor, approximately three centimeters in diameter. Visor is trimmed in black along the lower edge. Ear holes have closed recess with one large and one small raised circle. Hole pattern, snout aerator, uh, one recess vent on each side of the aerator, three, two wedge-shaped recesses on the outer edge of each mandible, you know, so on and so forth. Oh, um, God. These, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's very detailed as to what you need. And, and most of those details are pretty, like, if you buy a helmet kit, like they, or you you three D print a helmet, it's going to have all those details. You just need right. to make sure that it looks, it's proportioned right, and it looks right, it has the right colors. Um, but then, like you know, you have a, you need a balaclava, you need a neck seal or a shirt, you know, the right shirt, the chest plate has to look like this, it has to have the the right emblem and the right colors. Um, 
And it's it's not a set of directions, but it is a guide for what you need to what it needs to look like. Um, and because we have these guides, every single short trooper around the 501st looks maybe not exactly the same, but they look approximately the same. So when you get a bunch of them together, you don't have like this huge variation that makes it really noticeably different. So, mm. um, you know, you get a hundred stormtroopers together. It's like celebration. It's a really awe-inspiring effect because they all look like we could have walked off the, you know, walk, walked off a set of a Star Wars film. Yeah. Um, so to join, you need to build a costume. Um, and what usually people will do is they'll either come out out of out of nowhere because they've they've done the research. They did this all on their own. Or they join their local garrison as a as a sort of a, a um, like a, a, a newcomer. Uh, I'm sure every every garrison has their own terminology for it, but like or like a recruit, and you get into the forums and you 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 can ask questions of of final first members who have made these costumes before, and you know we'll chip in and, and help and you know give people guidance on like how to, how do you um, yeah. you know make the costume. And, um, there's a there's an application process. You take pictures of, of yourself from uh, four different side, you know, front, back, side, and side, um, and like they will go to a, a team of people who will say like, "All right, this looks good, but you might need to you do need to change this a little bit here or there, or you need like this is not in the right proportion. You need to redo this." Mm. And then once they give you the all clear, they give you a number, um, and you're you can become a member. And then um, once you're a member, the requ the requirement is that you have to troop like once a year. Um, that's sort of gone away because of COVID um, because, you know, there's not, hasn't been as many troops, but like a troop could be like a convention or like it's, it's an officially sanctioned like event that we go to. Mm. Um, so yeah, it might be a convention. It might be like a make a wish thing. It might be um, like a, a free comic book day events at, at your local comic book store. Um, yeah. You know, any, any number of things. Um, so, yeah, there, there's been these, these types of um, that's the, the short version of how you join. Um, some people will 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 sign up for the file first. They'll they'll make a stormtrooper, then they'll move on to other things. Or, you know, some people will say, like, hey, I really like this character from this video game and I'm going to make my own. I'm going to be the first person to do this. And they have to they did provide all the documentation on like, you know, this is what all these pieces, these pieces look like. So every time we have a new Star Wars production come out where there's a new bad guy or a new imperial type of trooper um you have people who are working on building those costumes um and then they they will as a collective group will sort of come up with like what the standards are that we look for it um my, my short trooper i built it before rogue one came out um and it was an early version so i like my early version wasn't quite up to stuff for acceptance because it was uh, it was good enough to like show up for the film premiere but like for it to become an officially um uh, approved costume i needed to replace some bits so i i had um because the the pulls on the abs plastic were soft it was it was a very early kit because it was the film hadn't come out yet um right. but i ended up getting 3d printings and parts and, and adding them on and um i gave it i ended up uh the first version i had was a, the, the color was not quite right um but once we figured out what the right color was um we i, re, I basically gave it a spray tan and reweathered it and went from mm -hmm. there and sometimes you you upgrade costumes over time um 2019 i the we got word got put out that like hey we want to um uh you know we, we're going to be inviting star wars fans to become a member or to, to go to the premiere of rise of skywalker um i was selected 
because I submitted a uh, Attack of the Clones um, clone trooper. They didn't. Ha- there, there are not very many of us in the in the group, and they wanted a, a trooper from every state, and they wanted every single type of trooper from the from the entire Skywalker saga represented. Hmm. Um, so what I did ended up what that ended up doing is I ended up pulling it out, and it's like, all right, this is not quite up to snuff. So I ended up repainting the entire suit of armor within like a week. Uh, re-weathered yeah. it um ended yeah. up buying a whole bunch of other components um uh, i want to say I, I had a new back plate that i put into it i ended up buying a new belt which i still haven't quite installed yet i have to i have to do some some cutting and some measuring on that um what else did i do i bought a backpack a clone trooper backpack which i i've brought out a couple times i made a set of micro binoculars like um so like i've upgraded the kit over the years that i've made it um yeah. And I'm and like other other kits, like I'm sure that like there'll be other costumes that I'll make that I'll you know make little these other minor little adjustments to over the years, just depending on like how I how you know whatever we learn about them or you know I, if I realize like oh this isn't really quite accurate enough, let me see if I can add to it or something. So yeah, yeah, wow, that's a lot. But I mean. It- no no that's perfectly fine but i mean i've also been i've also been doing it for a long time so like you know this is this is not something that happens (laughs) overnight like i've I've been doing this for a number of years so like a lot of these changes like they happen over years so like my my first stormtrooper i i still have it i i i'm never going to get rid of it but it's 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 a it's a costume that is not it is it's a type of stormtrooper armor called fx and it's not very accurate. It, the that some of the details are molded wrong. The chest is slightly the wrong shape. The helmet mm. that it came with is really big. Um, and that was sort of where I. That's where I sort of started taking cosplay a little bit more seriously when it came to like accuracy stuff. Um, sure. I started looking at like, all right, I can change the belt on this for, to be because um, the original belt that came with was plastic. So I I swapped out the belt for something that for a canvas one. Um. I changed, I swapped out the helmet for something that was a little bit more accurate. I switched out the hand plates so that it was accurate to Empire Strikes Back. Um, and then I went and bought an entirely new Stormtrooper that was made an entirely different sculpt that was much more accurate. And that's the one I use nowadays. So, um, you know, they're like people will make these changes over years, especially as we learn more and more about these types of costumes. I don't know if there's as much we can learn more about Stormtroopers, but like, you know, as, as the franchise continues on, you know, there'll be certainly new new characters and new costumes that we'll be able to, to build and, and to really dig in on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, now I'm curious about a couple of things. One, are you excited as probably I am for the uh, Kenobi series that's coming out in a couple of months? Um, a little bit. I'm... Um... I was never as huge a fan of the prequel trilogy. Like it was not really the show that it was not the, the series of films that I grew up with. Um, I like, I liked them when they came out. Um, yeah, certainly the clone wars has made it a little bit better for me. Um, it, it was, it was not one that I was terribly enthused for because I, it's like one of those stories that like I've, I, I'm sort I'm sort of not sure what the story is. Um, I I'm, I'm going to watch it for sure. But I'm, it's, yeah. it's like, sort of like, um, 
you know, is this a, is this a TV series that is just being put out there just to sort of fill time, or is it actually did they actually come up with a good story? It, it seems I, I I have a feeling that it's going to be one of those ones where they are like they're looking for something that is a little bit it, it might be a little bit better because they had to go re, go and redo all the scripts um, when the pandemic hit. They had um, the 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 show got pushed back for quite a bit so i i'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be pretty good yeah. the one that i'm more excited about is andor um the the cassie and andor tv series okay which is also supposed to come out this year i don't it, i i imagine we'll get a re, we'll get a release date or some update about it when celebration comes about um but the reason i'm more excited for that is this that rogue one was like the film for me like i i adore everything about that movie yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I dress up as a short trooper. I have my helmet right here, actually, in my office. Um, uh, <laughs> and we're going to be we're going to be seeing these guys again in the show. We've seen. Uh, hopefully, that's not too much of a spoiler, but we've seen like um, shots of of those troopers coming. You know, there there will be a presence there. But like when I saw Rogue One, I was just really taken by just how. Like how it complicated the story of the of the Rebel Legion, or sorry, the Rebel Alliance, and like what the dark, like sort of like their dark side, like what the what efforts they went to. And when I saw the film, I realized, you know, I, I was I was always sort of hopeful that they would do more with it, just because there's so much potential to be mined out of it um, sure. from, from Cassian's story. So that's the one I'm really excited for, and I really hope is 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 good. Um, yeah. And um, because it, like, there's there's so much that they can do with that story, so that, that's what I'm that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. Um, I was I'm a little bit wary of like the single character shows just because like uh, like Boba Fett I I it's like I liked all the parts of it, but I was sort of disappointed by the by just how it turned out. It it, it felt very much like it had they it, it would have benefited from a little bit more time and effort thinking about the story and like what yeah. what, what they were trying to do with it. And you know, if you if people liked it, I'm not, I'm not trying to take take that away from them, like you know their enjoyment. But like, um, I also you know tend to overthink things when it comes to like you know how good a TV show is or, or like what details go into it. I I, I, yeah. I worked as, I worked as a reviewer, so um, right. You know, right. It, 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 you know, not everything that is has the the Star Wars logo on it is going to be good. Like you know, there there has to be you know <laughs> some some things that just don't quite hit the mark. And you know, for for me, yeah. Um, both it didn't quite hit the mark, but you know, it did do a lot of cool things, and I did enjoy watching it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think that it, it it got me really interested in doing a Tuscan Raider costume. Um, I don't know if I'll do that or not, but it's one that I have thought serious. I've thought seriously about doing. Um, Interesting. But we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, I, I, I've there there's i think that the franchise certainly has a bright future on on disney plus um going forward I, I i will also say that i'm very excited to see whatever happens to the rogue squadron film whatever that if 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 it seems to be still in production hopefully it will oh still yeah be yeah in the works um and i like um one of the costumes i do is a uh is um um the the blue squadron general from rogue one um and I've, I've always been a big fan of of mike stackpole's rogue squadron novels so like mm. we'll um you know I'm, I'm excited to see what what those happen what those come up with and i'm excited particularly to see what the costumes are and if we see new trooper yeah. types or whatever um and yeah. that, you know, that goes with any any film franchise these days um lord the, the new lord of the rings tv series i'm i'm 
pretty interested in seeing what what we get out of that from um, mm. a TV uh, a costume perspective. Um, it from the looks of things already, they look pretty cool. Um, yeah, and yeah, there's like any number of films and TV shows that are coming out. Like, there's always going to be there's there's no end to what we can stress. No on end that. in sight. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I know for me, having grown up when I was little with the with as the prequel movies were like releasing, like the guy just got a very strong spot for some of the characters. Like I, I, I adore Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, so I'm like beyond pumped to see yeah, how this series be, pans out. Yeah, yeah, that will be exciting to see, especially because he's, um, you know, I, I, he, he, he is the bright spot out of the prequel trilogy, I think, and it'll be. Um, exciting to see like what he brings to the role now that you know it's yeah, is it seventeen years later, um, something like that. Like it, it's, I'm yeah, that should I be mean, pretty cool. They mentioned that they also brought back Hayden Christensen, and I'm like, how are they gonna? Yeah. What are they gonna do with this? I'm very intrigued at what they're gonna do. So, oh, he's he's gonna be Darth Vader. I mean, he's there's Darth Vader. So I know, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe he'll be under the suit, or will we actually hear his voice, or is it gonna be muffled by James Earl Jones's? Vader voice, I don't know. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, as I said, I, w- I wasn't. I, I'm being like cautiously optimistic about it. I'll, I'll be excited to see. I'll, I'll be interested to see like what it what they end up doing, and hopefully they'll be. Hopefully it'll be good, and hopefully it will live up to like what yeah. everybody really loves about those characters. And even if they don't quite live up to like what what the current fans are like, you know, each one of these new TV shows is a new introduction to an entirely new generation of fans. Um, yeah. So like when I, when the, when the Clone Wars TV series was first coming out, I remember there was a lot of like older time fans, you know, who had grown up with like the, the, the special editions or the originals were like not really big fans of it because it was very childish. But like, I also, you know, sort of kept in mind that like, even if this is not quite my jam, this is something that a lot of kids are seeing. And they're, it's a, this is how you, how you introduce an entire opening new the floodgates for new fans. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, those fans have grown up and they're, they're enjoying the Mandalorian and they're enjoying the book of Boba Fett and whatever other shows are coming out down the road. Um, and then, so the, the kids or the, the teenagers or the young adults who are coming to Star Wars for the first time, with the Mandalorian or the Book of Boba Fett or Andor or Obi Wan, like they're going to be fans for the next twenty five years or the next, right. you know, whatever however long you know they keep doing this. So it, it's it's very cool to see like this, you know, the, the you know fans sort of continuing to sort of persist along these these franchises. Um, yeah. And you know, they, like it, it's you know that that's that's the next the next era of like cosplay history is going to be. They're going to be the ones undertaking that. Pretty that, much, that'll be yeah. exciting to see. If they'll be inspired by all these shows that they've been watching and growing to love and wanting to make new outfits and yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like oh, yeah. they're they're definitely going to be doing that. And oh and yeah, we're going to be seeing. <laughs> we're going to be seeing like they're going to have their own takes on characters, and they're going to you know because of they have this platform of. Um, you know all the work that people have done up to now. They've got YouTube. They've got. Um, you know, files on Thingiverse or Facebook groups or forums. Like, you know, these are all like resources that are just going to continue to build cosplay bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. We, hopefully, uh, you know, pro- pro- provided, you know, something drastic doesn't happen. Like even even COVID was a really drastic thing and that didn't stop cosplay. Like that's still a big thing. 
uh, no. despite of that, which which I was happy to see. Like I was happy to you know because when the when the COVID, I, I finished the book like a week before the COVID nineteen lockdown started here in Vermont, <laughs> and I was a little bit worried. Like you know, is this like if we don't have conventions, are we are we going to be done? Like is like is this going to be is this the like death the of the hobby, so to speak? Yeah, right. And it just it just went on to. Um, you know, it just it just went on to Instagram, and people just you know they did memes or or collective videos um, on, on there, and then you know conventions are starting to open back up. I've I've been to a couple. Um, I ended up writing an entire chapter about COVID nineteen um, and took pictures of at cons at um, a couple of New England cons with people wearing masks. And yeah, it's just like one of those. You know, it's it's still a, it's still a thing that's coming around. So. Yeah, has um. Have any of your favorite like convention memories? Have any of them like seeped its way into the book? Like made like got like some mentions throughout? Oh sure, yeah. yeah. Um, Star Wars celebration, yeah. Star Wars celebration. The first one I went to was was a huge influence for me. I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the book. I, I talk about it to some extent. Um, you know, I went to I went to um, celebration in 2019, um, and that's where I started interviewing people for the book. Um, and mm. I took a bunch of pictures there of, of folks and it was a good uh, networking thing. Like I went to um, Dragon Con later that year and that was a, you know, I interviewed more people there. So yeah, yeah like the, some of those, some of those cons are, are, you know, they, 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 I mean, because I was interviewing folks there, they definitely make it in there, but like, you know, it's just the, you know, so there's some other memories of, of going to conventions that I just had a lot of fun and just made friends and, you know, dressed yeah. up and just generally had a good time. So. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, I'm actually really excited to flip through this book and take a read through it. It, it sounds like it's going to have a lot of good information, just a good good retrospective on the hobby on like where it started to where we are now. So, I hope so. It, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a book that it, it's cosplay a history, not cosplay the history. Um, so I, I will say that it, it's, you know, it, it there's it's slanted a little bit towards my interest in the 501st and my experience in the 501st. But like, I, I think that it's a, a good overview of, of the broad, the broad parts of the, uh, of the hobby. And mm-hmm. that's something, you know, with any history book, like, like I was, I was literally rewriting and researching up to the last minute, like literally the last minute I was adding things in before I had to turn it back, turn in my, my, my final draft. And I, I still have changes that I'm going, I have learned things since turning it in that I'm, um, that have not made it into the book that I'm hoping I can make it. In. It's not quite final. It's not quite locked in yet. So by as a time we're recording this, um, I'm hoping that I can slip in a, a brief mention of, uh, so something I learned recently is um, Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who created Sherlock Holmes. He, he was best known for Sherlock Holmes, but his favorite character was uh, a character called professor challenger. Um, he was in. He was the the lead character in um, the Lost World, um, where where these explorers go out to South America and they find these like they find dinosaurs in in this isolated plateau. Okay. And he actually dressed up. He dressed up as a character. And I I had I learned that only like months after finishing the book. I'm like crap. I really need to. I really want to include that. So hopefully I'll be able to <laughs> mention of that in somewhere. Um, and I'll also say that like you know I I um you know. Uh, there are sections of the book that you could write entire books of on their own, like um, the history of anime and um, like specifically Japanese cosplay. Like, you know, that that's, that's, 
that you can devote a lot of a lot of time oh to, yeah to, the, to that you know that specific sub subculture of that or uh, you can devote an entire book to the 501st legion um or science fiction fandom like you know this this is a um hopefully you know in-depth but broad overview of everything and yeah or almost everything so but but yeah it's it's like one of those things where you know it's there's always more to learn and there's like I, I'm, I'm sure that once the book comes out i'll i'll meet people who will tell me things that like oh man i really wish i had met, met you really like, like the other day I, I i came across somebody who had a, a really great uh, star trek picture of their star trek cosplay from like the 1970s so i was like oh man I, this is this is great i wish i could have used it but yeah. um you know at some point you have to stop and, and it has has to um uh you, you gotta submit to, it you gotta stop it. but you know maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a um I, one of the things i'm thinking of doing is like a um i read a newsletter about um science fiction fantasy I, I, i'll probably end up doing some like uh quote-unquote lost chapters that of stuff that i i come across that yeah. I really wish I could have included or or um, di or, or something, and I'll, I'll I'll put those out to subscribers or something like that. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. So. Well, I'm just looking through my little notes here. Um, okay, so then. I guess something that we could touch on before we wrap up um, throughout this whole process. I mean, you've had a lot of experience in history with like writing articles for various websites and obviously with this book, um, what would you say was a difficult aspect throughout um, this book's like construction? Like filmmaking um, yeah, I mean, part of it was just trying to get in touch with some of the right people. So, like, some of like the big name cosplayers, I just was never able to get in touch with. Like, you know, I'd send emails or or contact the reps, and just never, never was able to connect to them. Um, yeah. But even then, it was like you know, I was able to find other folks who you know, and that's just the nature of of any nonfiction books. Is sometimes you just can't, you know, you can't find the right, you just don't connect to like the right person who is there or something. But you know, I I, I was able to connect to a, a lot of great people. Um, and, and, you know, I was actually even happier with some of the folks that I came up with, like, just because they, they had slightly different perspectives or their own, their own really great perspectives that brought some new viewpoints or, um, ideas that really sort of got me to think about the book and, and the story in just some slightly different ways. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, you know, that's sort of just the nature of research is that you are just avail, you know, just trying to find the right, the right resources and the right sources. Um, one really, one specific thing that I was, I, that was sort of a challenge was, um, Forrest Ackerman. He is, um, he was a fan in the 1930s who he was, he's one of the, the, the first guy who to dress up at, at a convention at the, the first Worldcon, And he was a huge, he was a, a big name within fandom for, for decades. Um, and, um, he had a like a small museum at his house and like he had like correspondence and books and, and things that he edited uh, and all of his papers ended up at the University of Syracuse and he's got a, like a like a dedicated art there's like an art his papers are in their archives huh and when I went to go try to access them like the the files are just off limits um, I want to say it's because they are trying to 
they're doing something with they're doing something with them at the archive but it was just like one of those things where like i you know i emailed them to ask like is there any way i can get access to this because i'm writing this book and they just they, they just weren't they they i just they wouldn't permit me to look at them so like i don't i don't know if there is some something in forrest ackerman's papers that might add some more fidelity to the story that i tell in the book um right. but you know i i i got the broad you know, I, I got some good quotes about him anyway, and I, you know, I got I have you know things that he wrote from fanzines and stuff. But you know, maybe there's maybe there's some insights that he had about like making the costume or how his uh, his girlfriend uh, Myrtle Douglas or, or her name she went by the name Moroyo, um Like maybe there's some insights there or some correspondence that specifically talks about it or what his like I, I don't I I wasn't able to get into his head and understand like what he was thinking, so. Right. You know, maybe those will be unlocked at some point and I'll be able to get access to them and, and then I'll learn that. But, you know, it, it, the other thing is that this hobby is so big is that there's this every everyone has their own origin story. And, you yeah. know, like anytime anytime you write a nonfiction piece like you are you are telling a version of the story. And obviously, the more voices you can get to it, the more the closer to reality you you get to and i think i did a good job with that but you know like there's yeah. always going to be more stories there's always going to be more people to talk to um and so this is a this is something i'm, I'm definitely like this book is not a like a one and done thing for me like i'm definitely going to be writing about cosplay for for years on end uh, i don't know if that means if i'll write another book about cosplay but you know, I'll be definitely commenting on it and like, you know, studying it. Um, maybe Staying we'll be active maybe. within the community. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'll, and yeah, I'm definitely going to be trooping for as long as I find it fun and exciting. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's, you know, because cause it brings me a lot of, you know, brings me a lot of joy to do that. Like it's a joyful yeah. activity and that's what I like about it. Um, and that's what I hope. I hope when people read the book, they will, um, they will they they will under a understand it better. They'll understand where it came from and why it came about and how it came about, but also just get a sense of like you know this why we do this is is because it's it's fun, it's exciting, it's joyful, it brings excitement to people and to other fans, and it allows us to connect to one another uh, in ways that we might not have met before. So, um, you know, I know from my own personal experience, like I've made some of the best friends in the world. Um, who like you know people who have been to my wedding um yeah and and you know been like very close friends who are who are cosplayers and i would not i never would have met them um in any other way you know our lives just never would have intersected any other way and you know that's that's a great thing i think so yeah absolutely same here i mean i'm not married so i mean i imagine i might hit that point where i'll invite some of my cosplay friends to my wedding i don't know but yeah, like cosplay is just a wonderful thing that allows us to geek out and just be fans over similar interests and just go like buck wild and spend a crap ton of money at conventions. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, absolutely. And I guess so. The last thing I'll ask is that so, I mean, you talked about and discussed like your history and like all the various costumes that you've made so i'm curious do you have a quote-unquote um dream cosplay that you'd like to make one day or either if you'd like to make one day or a cosplay where if i had all the 
knowledge and all the money in the world, what pathway would you want to construct? Oh yeah, no, I've got a whole list of those. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's the nature of, of, of building costume after costume and just, you know, you always want to build more. Um, so the one that's sort that's right on the, the top of my list, if, 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 uh, if I get around to doing it is a, um, the arm, there's a TV show called the expanse. It's based off of a book series, uh, by the same title by a guy named James, S. A., or a pair of authors that call themselves James S. A. Corey, uh, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Um, there's a character named Bobby Draper, who is a Martian Marine. Um, and she just has the coolest set of power armor, um, out there it's basically it's part spacesuit part you know it's, it's basically like what you would get it, you know when I, when I read starship troopers as a kid like that's that's the armor that i envisioned it, it looks cool it's it's arms yeah. and the gills it's got like you know it, it's it's a deadly walking thing and it just looks awesome um <clears throat> that's one that i would like i would like very much to make um and actually while i was at dragon con in 2019 uh, uh, um one of the two two of the people I, I interviewed, um, they made their own cost. They made their own versions out of EVA foam, and I've got a great picture of them in the book. Um, cool. Uh, Jack Dernan and his, his now wife Jenny. <coughs> um, Jack is currently making. He has the model. He has the files to make, and he's three D printing the entire suit of armor right now. And I'm very jealous because it's definitely a costume I would like to make. And I've, I've actually got a, a folder of of our of of reference pictures of of that I when I came across one of the screen used suits um when I visited the set when I was um uh, at one point at uh, two points I, I visited the set twice uh for two different seasons and I, I was able to sort of see no sorry I saw the armor at a convention they had a display and I but I've seen the costumes up close and in, in on the mm. studio um <clears throat> so that's one of them it it looks very cool and it, it's it's just a, it's a very um, it's just an amazing looking costume. Um, one of the ones that I've, I've really like, I like to make at some point is a, a set of uh, armor from Halo, um, probably oh, yeah. the Reach variation, just because that's that's been a, a video game that I've I've loved for decades now. Um, yeah, and you know, there's there's other there's other costumes along the way. Like I, I've got a su- I've got a suit of um, Mandalorian armor down in my basement. That's sort of that I've been thinking about. Uh, doing, I, I was at one point I was thinking about doing the um, Din Djarin's costume, but I'm probably not going to end up doing that one. Um, I've got another short trooper in the base in my basement. I've got a, a first order trooper that I'm going to replace my other one with. Mm-hmm. And I was just there's there's no end to like you know you you make a list and then but you know then there's like the, the there's the TV shows and the films that like you know they're coming out you know this year or next year. Like I would love to. You know, I don't even know what. I would love to make at some point, but I'm sure that there's something that's, that'll come out this year or next year or the year after that. I'll like I'll see that. I'm like I really need to make that. And now that um, I've got the the skills and hopefully the wherewithal to actually follow through and do it at some point. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I know. For me, um, my all the money in the world knowledge cosplay dream cosplay would have to be a full-blown set of uh, Dragoon armor from Final Fantasy because I am a sucker for that class. That's the class that I'm playing because I'm playing through Final Fantasy XIV online for the first time. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm just looking at the armor and just like, man, 
I want to be a dragon man. <laughs> That's one of the really exciting things about video game, and I think one reason why cosplay has taken off in some ways is is that video games allow a really specific set of personalization. Um, I know with like the new like uh, 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 Halo Infinite, just because I've been playing that recently, you can really customize that armor to really match your preferences. Um, From what I've seen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like you can change the color in the armor paste. You can swap out the helmet. You can swap out all the, every single piece of armor. You can make it your own, and that's one of the kind of the cool things about. Um, so when I was at Dragon Con, um, I interviewed a friend of mine, um, uh, Katie Henderson, who does uh, was a big uh, Destiny fan, and she she had was part of the um, uh, the Destiny cosplayer meet photo meetup. Every single one of those suits of armor was different. But they're all individual based on what those 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 cosplayers had put into the game, uh, what their personal preferences were, and it was it was all really cool because it's all unique. Um, and that's something you don't really get with like stormtroopers because they're all look the same. Um, and there's I think there's an appeal to that, if, especially if you have a group of them. But um, if like video games allow you to really personalize that costume and make it your own, and um, so if you're if you're somebody who really sinks a lot of time into in, in, into one of these games, um, you will then have you know a really interesting challenge on your hands to make your own you know to replicate that armor because it's yours. It's, nobody else is going to come up with exactly the same type of armor. Yeah, that you have. yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we covered a lot, and this was incredibly in no, no. I mean, in the best way possible, like incredibly enjoyable. Um, before I guess we start to sign off, um, is there anything else that you personally would like to mention or talk about regarding the book or anything about like just cosplay in general? Um, no, I think we covered most of it. Um, I'll, I'll say the book is out June twenty eighth um, from Saga Press. Um, it's, uh, it'll be a, a paperback. It'll be an ebook. It'll be an audiobook. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm excited and apprehensive to see what people think. I, I hope that people <laughs> enjoy it. Um, it. It's one of those ones where like I've I, I've been working on it since like two. I think the first. The first conversation I had about what about with about the book happened in 2016. So it, it, I've been in working on it for a long time. It's all largely been in my head and on my computer, and now people are starting to read it. Like uh, it's gotten some good reviews so far, and and I've I've been really happy that good uh, people have been enjoying it. But like it's it's like one of those things when you're a writer is like your your own worst critic. Like you know I'm I'm going to be sort of just biting my nails about like, you know, what people think about it. I hope, I hope people like it. I, I really hope they get a lot out of it. I hope they learn something about the history of, of the entire movement and they come away with, if they're, if they are a cosplayer, I hope they come away with it with a new level of appreciation for it. If they are not a cosplayer or if they're just a, like a, a fan or, or a, just somebody who happens to pick it up, I hope they learn what a really great, vibrant, wonderful world this is. And um Yeah hopefully will be motivated to do it themselves. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward this summer to like going out to bookstores to sign copies. And, and um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if, if people will um, like, like if, if I'm going to a convention, if, if um, somebody will bring me a copy in costume, cause that'll be very cool. But we'll, <laughs> yeah, that'd be <laughs> that's, putting the cart, that's putting the cart ahead of the horse. So, yeah. 
All right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to reading the book myself. Um this was an absolute treat. I mean, I can't thank you enough for allowing me this opportunity to chat with you, get to know you more, interview you about the book. And um, I guess with that being said, um, Andrew, if people want to follow your cosplay adventures or adventures into the 501st, where should they go to follow? So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm at Andrew Liptek, A-N-D-R-E-W-L-I-P-T-A-K. I'm on... um, uh, um, Instagram, I uh, at, at liptakaa, uh, liptaka, and um, I also write a newsletter called Transfer Orbit, and that's transfer-orbit.ghost.io. It's a little bit of a convoluted name, but if you if you find me on Twitter or Instagram or or anywhere, you can find a link to that, and that's that's where I do a lot of my. I've, I've been trying to pull back from social media a little bit just because. Um, for my own personal sanity, but like the, the newsletter <laughs> where I sort of dump a lot of my, my sort of in-depth thoughts on like, you know, science fiction, fantasy. Uh, I do book reviews. I do book lists and, and I'll be doing a lot. I'll be talking a lot about cosplay and fandom and everything else in between there. Nice. So. Okay. And you guys can follow me at the usual spots, uh, Twitter and Instagram under uh, at blue lightning cop. And then you can just catch me on my, Stream schedule is over on Twitch. And um, yeah, this was great. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to this episode. And um, stay tuned for the next one. And I will see you guys all next time.